know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Seasons Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, podcast land? This is Jam and Joe of the Fan for All Seasons podcast. On tonight's episode, we're going to talk some Atlanta Braves baseball. We're going to get into some Georgia football discussion. And we're going to talk about the tough loss the Atlanta Falcons had to begin the 2021 season under new head coach Arthur Smith. But before we get into the sports conversation and before we get a word from our sponsor, I want to let you guys know I'm flying solo this week. It is just yours truly. So we've got a really good show for you guys tonight. So strap in and just enjoy your favorite local sports podcast so as i mentioned we're gonna get a word from our sponsor and fan for all seasons is brought to you in part by georgia smoke barbecue authentic original oak smoked barbecue catering you can learn more at georgiasmoke.com and so i want to get things started tonight with some atlanta braves baseball talk we always hit lead off with the braves the braves are coming down the stretch for the division the magic number for the braves is 15 and so for those of you that are unaware of what the magic number is the magic number the magic number is basically the number of brave wins combined with with the number of Phillies losses and that equates the magic number to the Braves winning the division. So there you go. So that's kind of insight into the magic number. The Braves clinching the NL East. They're four straight NL East pennant. It's looking good so far. We got a four and a half game lead and um, and I'm and I'm feeling really good about where the Braves are right now. And so to kind of get things going into our Braves conversation, the Braves after taking two of three from the Miami Marlins this past weekend, find themselves in the middle of a series with the Colorado Rockies. And so kind of my thoughts on the series so far, from game one, Satuki Toussaint pitched for the Braves last night, and he was less than and, and he was less than ideal. He struggled, and he's had three really solid cracks trying to find his way in to be that fifth starter for the Braves. And it just looks like Tuki. It looks like Tuki just hasn't really been pitching his best ball. And I know one of the three starts was going up to frigid Colorado, where everything is magnified there because of the altitude, and, and it's just really hard to pitch there. And but last night, Tuki struggled against a Rockies team that is not very good on the road at all. I believe it was a few weeks ago. When, he had a, when we had our man Tom Green on, Tom gave you guys the Rockies home and road splits, and it was pretty significant, pretty significant. And so for Tukey to get roughed up like that, I still think Tukey may have a shot. I'm wondering where they go in terms of the fifth starter for the last for the last little chunk of the season here. There are names like Drew Smiley, who I know a lot of Atlanta fans don't really want to even think about right now, who gives up, who's given up a ton of runs this year. Then you have to think about like maybe a Kyle Muller. Like we'll see where Kyle Muller is in his development. I think I think that would be vital experience for Kyle Muller to come up here and to get a chance to pitch and getting to really see, you know, how much of a jump he's made from Triple A Gwinnett coming back to the major league. And so, in my opinion, I think the Braves ought to go with Kyle Muller. I think Muller has tremendous upside and I just think he's earned it. I'm not down there watching Gwinnett baseball every day, but I just look at Muller's stuff and I just look at and I just look at his makeup and a power lefty who's 6'7", 250 pounds. I would love for the Braves to let Kyle Muller have another shot and see how he does down the stretch. So that's kind of how I look at things as far as the fifth starter spot in the rotation. So keeping with the Braves talk here, I want to give and I want to shed some light on one Adam Duvall. And I heard a stat today on the Daily 10 podcast from Matt 
Matt Chernoff, who does afternoon drive in Atlanta on 680 The Fan. So I give credit to him who alerted me of the stat. So Adam Duvall is one of three players in Major League Baseball right now who has over 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. So Duvall joins Vladimir Guerrero and Salvador Perez as the other two players in the Major Leagues to have done that. And Adam Duvall has 35 home runs and 13 of those are with the Braves. Like that in and of itself is just straight up ridiculous. Like when Matt Chernoff said that today on his podcast, I was like, like my jaw dropped. I was like, what? That's that's ridiculous. And for it to be for it to be Salvador Perez, I was kind of surprised too. But when you think of the Kansas City Royals, Perez is a really talented catcher. I mean, he helped them win a World Series. He's a really good player. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I pretty much expected him to kind of take off and, and to put up those kind of statistics. So I'm really not surprised that Guerrero Jr. is doing that. But for Adam Duvall, I mean, where would the Braves be without Adam Duvall? Just think about that. Like, remember at the beginning of baseball season when Adam Duvall was just crushing home runs against the Braves for the Marlins and think all the Braves had to do to bring Adam Duvall back was to give up Alex Jackson. Wow. Alex Anthopoulos did one heck of a job at the deadline. I would love, love, love for the Braves to find a way to bring Duvall back. What I really like about Duvall is he's just the kind of guy that's easy to root for. You know, he works hard and you know what he's going to give you. You know what he's going to give you every game. And right now he's playing center field for the Braves. And uh, so the Braves outfield right now, you've got Eddie Rosario out in left field. You got Duvall in center and you got Soler in right. And people forget Adam Duvall is a really good outfielder. Like we're talking about a guy who has won a gold glove pretty recently in the last like two or three years. And I, and I think Duvall's done a pretty solid job in center field. Duvall is a pretty good athlete. He really is. Not, I'm not saying he's got like closing speed, like, you know, Andrew Jones or anything like that. But Duvall's a solid, steady guy out in center field for the Braves. And I feel really good about the Braves outfield going forward. I would like to see Jock Peterson pick it up a little bit, but he's just been so hot and cold with the bat. So so anyway, I'm just really, really happy for Adam Duvall. He's really, he's really starting to come into his own. And like I said, I couldn't be happier for a guy like Adam Duvall. The next brave I want to get into in terms of the Rocky series from what I watched last night was one Sean Newcomb. I thought Newcomb did a really good job out of the bullpen. Now I know Newcomb irritates a lot of brave fans and you just, and you just think about like physically like Sean Newcomb, like he's six foot four power left hand power left-hander can get it up to like 96 97 and you think when he throws strikes Sean Newcomb is almost unhittable I mean I, I know Newcomb's big moment in the major leagues was almost that potential no hitter against the Dodgers day that was either 2017 or 2018 when Newcomb did that I was really I was really hoping that Newcomb could figure it out um you know after this most recent stand in Triple A Gwinnett and it looks like Newcomb has I mean I know it was just one outing against Colorado now I'm not saying he's a finished product but for that moment in time against the Rockies lineup Newcomb did a really good job and if Newcomb keeps pitching well I would absolutely look for him to potentially be a piece in this bullpen power lefty guy who could pitch two innings that that's the versatility Newcomb has with formerly being a starter Newcomb's used to pitching multiple innings so if Newcomb does make the postseason roster I look for him to be a guy who can pitch multiple innings and who can make an impact and potentially in this Braves bullpen but it's really up to Newcomb I mean the ball's in his court he really needs to continue to keep pitching well to continue to keep making strides and if he does that he'll find his way on the Braves postseason roster. The next part that I want to talk about in our Braves discussion on the on the show tonight is Freddie Freeman. So Freddie Freeman tripled last night, which was the which was the big highlight in the game. And it just looks like to me that Freddie Freeman is having a blast playing baseball again and really enjoying being with really enjoying being a part of these guys. And with the acquisitions Anthopolis has brought in, Freddie's done a really good job of adjusting and and 
doing a really and he's done a really good job of adjusting and done a really good job of just being the team leader, being the consummate pro. And I thought this was really cool. So Sunday, Freddie Freeman had his 32nd birthday and he had a home run on Sunday. And so when he got to the dugout, the team burst into the happy birthday song. So they sung Freddie happy birthday when he came in to the dugout after hitting a home run on Sunday, which was pretty cool. So props to you, Freddie Freeman. So the last little bit of Braves news that I want to get into on this episode tonight, the Braves visit San Francisco this weekend, who, in my opinion, has been the surprise of Major League Baseball. And I'm sure a lot of you, you know, who follow MLB would definitely say the Giants are the surprise of Major League Baseball. The Giants have already clinched a playoff berth and they've won over 94 games. And the Giants are really good. And I can't figure out how they've done it. But credit to the Giants. I mean, the Giants have just found ways to win. And uh, so the Braves go out there. So that's going to be a tough series. Oracle Park is a really pretty stadium just from like pictures I've seen and everything. And the neat thing about Oracle Park is out in left field, that Coke bottle was a giant slide for people to slide down. And so I think that would be really fun to to get there early and to get one of the little like rugs or little carpets and be able to slide down the giant Coke bottle. I think that'd be really neat. And so the... And so, this West Coast trip for the Braves concludes with them concludes with them being in Arizona next week. Arizona, on the other hand, is in the complete opposite direction. They've got the worst record in Major League Baseball. They've won only 47 games the whole year. And I I know you think you throw records out the window with Major League Baseball because anybody can beat anybody on any given day. So the Braves are just gonna have to handle their business when they go out to Arizona. And that Arizona series is a four-game series. So by my estimation, if you can somehow win two of three in San Francisco, which I know is easier said than none and then win three out of four against Arizona then you're sitting pretty for the final home stand of the year which you've got the Phillies coming in the 28th through the 30th and then you've got the Mets first through the third that 30th the the 30th of September is University of Georgia night and I'm really excited about that I will be there I will have my UGA co-branded hat with me that I get from guest services at the Braves game so I'm really fired up to get one of those and um, for those of you that don't know I'm a giant hat nerd so I'm always looking at like you know the next great hat so you hear me talk about hats from time to time on the pod you know that's where that comes from so we're gonna jump from baseball to a little Georgia Bulldog football and first topic that I'm gonna talk to you guys about is Georgia answered the bell and took care of business on Saturday against UAB the big topic of conversation is the quarterback situation you know with JT Daniels dealing with his oblique and resting his oblique and then you have Stetson Bennett who had a great day. He pretty much rescued the dogs. He was 10 of 12 for 288 yards, five TDs, and he threw five of those TDs in the first half. And one of those TDs was to Brock Bowers, um, who who caught a ball and ran 89 yards to the house. And then Bennett hit Burton number seven on a on a long ball uh, for I think it was a 73 yard pass for a touchdown. And so Bennett was off to a really good day. There is news now that Stetson Bennett is now dealing with a sore back. And so in my opinion. What we should do is either Bennett guts it out and kind of plays through it, or or we see Carson Beck. Now, Carson Beck is a guy that I know a lot of fans have been clamoring to see. I, for one, I mean, we're talking about a guy who was a former four-star commit. Like, he's got a rocket arm from what they from what people in the know say. I'm, I'm just really curious why a guy like Carson Beck hasn't been able to take that next step forward. I mean, he's been at UGA for almost two years now. And once again, Kirby, Kirby seems to have gone back to Stetson Bennett. Now, I know that it looks like 
like Bennett may have made a jump in Munkin's offense. And credit to Stetson Bennett. But I'm just wondering why why we're not seeing like, you know, a big time guy in Carson Beck kind of take that next step. So in my opinion, JT needs to rest for the next two games. I would be really surprised if we saw JT play. My opinion, either Bennett guts it out or we see Carson Beck. And I feel like Georgia's going to be fine either way. So that's kind of my take on the whole quarterback thing. Oh, I do want to get to one last thing as far as the quarterback. So I'm watching the Georgia UAB game on Saturday on TV on ESPN. And Robert Griffin III, the former Heisman Trophy winning quarterback at Baylor and was a member of the Washington football team during in his NFL career. He he comes out there on TV and keeps saying, you know, oh, Georgia's got a quarterback controversy in Athens. Like ESPN, Robert Griffin, all you people that think it's a quarterback controversy, that is ridiculous. We all know this is JT Daniels' job. I know you're just looking to get attention and things like that. But any rational Georgia fan knows that there is no quarterback controversy or situation at all. It's just to make sure that JT is fully ready and 100% for Arkansas on the second and the remainder of the Georgia schedule. So, so when I heard that Saturday watching the game, I was like, I gotta, I gotta clear the air. I got, I gotta, I gotta say my thoughts on the podcast. So anyway, that's gonna put the kibosh on the quarterback talk. Now I mentioned Brock Bowers early on, had two touchdown passes, and I was, I'm really, really excited to see how much of, how much more of a jump Brock Bowers can make. Now I know he's gonna make more of a jump as, as his career goes on, but it looks like he's really starting, he's really starting to find a groove in Munkin's offense, and I'm really proud of Brock Bowers, and he's the future with the when that kid is just so bright it is so bright and so credit to him i think he's i think he's a georgia uh guy that, that us dog fans are gonna fall in love with um as his career goes on and i wish him good health and continued success during his freshman campaign at the university of georgia so flipping things over to the defensive side you've got you've got georgia's defense pitching a shutout against uab the only way they scored was a pick six thrown by carson beck uh, pretty much pretty much at the end of the game just to kind of get a garbage touchdown the guy i want to highlight on Georgia's defense is outside linebacker Channing Tindall. Now, Tindall is a guy who has had to wait his turn, who has had to wait his turn to play, and Channing Tindall did not disappoint on Saturday. He had seven solo tackles and a sack and did a great job for the dogs, and I'm, I'm really proud of a guy like Channing Tindall who's worked really hard and who's had, to, who's had to switch positions. I think earlier in his career, I want to say he was like maybe a safety or like a cornerback or something, and now he's moved to linebacker, and he's just so fast, flies around, and he and he's just a playmaking outside linebacker, which is what every defensive coordinator would want, especially one in Dan Lanning and Kirby Smart. And the other, the other Georgia guy I want to highlight in terms of defense from uh, from last Saturday's game with UAB is Nazir Stackhouse, number 78. I know he's kind of kind of a forgotten guy on the Georgia defensive line. I mean, with I mean, with all the talent of guys like a Jalen Carter. I'm like a guy like Jordan Davis, who, if you haven't heard me say this before, you'll hear me say it again. Jordan Davis is the best, the best defensive lineman in college football. If the, a defensive lineman could ever win the Heisman Trophy, I would give it to Jordan Davis. I just think the kid is that good. He's a stud. He's an absolute stud. So anyway, so Georgia's defensive line is loaded with Nazir Stackhouse, with Jalen Carter, with Devontae Wyatt, with um, with Jordan Davis. I mean, there there's just so much depth and talent there. And dog fans, we've got so much to be excited about with this defensive front. They're only going to get better as the year goes on. And I, for one, am fired up to see how we look against South Carolina on Saturday. Speaking of South Carolina on Saturday, 
Georgia is getting a chance to face a former assistant coach and one Shane Beamer. He used to work with Kirby. And then there's another Athens connection, and that is the South Carolina quarterback, Zeb Nolan, who played his high school football at Oconee County High School, which is right outside of Athens. His dad, Mike Nolan, is the head coach of the Oconee County Warriors. And Zeb has one year left of eligibility. He was a GA originally at the beginning of the year at South Carolina, and now he's come in and has won their quarterback job and is getting to play against the team. He is getting to play against the team he grew up watching uh, at Oconee and stuff like that. So that'll be kind of cool to see Zeb Nolan, uh, the former Oconee County product, go up against the hometown team in the Georgia Bulldogs. So Georgia and South Carolina meet Saturday night between the hedges at 7 o'clock on ESPN. I, for one, love night games. Night games are so much fun. They're so... There's just a different energy in Sanford Stadium when it comes to night games. And it's just really cool. Oh, and also, I've been seeing this on social media, guys. If you're going to the game, if you're going to be in Athens Saturday night, the the Spike Squad encourages fans to wear red, so we're redding out South Carolina. So if you've got your red, which I'm sure... A lot of you Georgia fans do. Make sure to rock your red Saturday night as we red out the Gamecocks. So we're going to flip things over to the last part of the show and some Atlanta Falcons football. And ooh, where do I begin? So the season opener didn't go how any of us envisioned in Falcons land. Losing 32-6. to I, for one, was way wrong on my prediction. I had the Falcons winning 31-17. And I was just frustrated. My, now, I know everybody wants to pile on the offensive line. And I'll get to that here in a second. The thing I was most frustrated with was defensively. It just looked like we weren't really able to to really get home. I realized that Jalen Hurts is an elusive, talented athlete at quarterback. And I know Dean Pease tiled up pressure because that's, that's what Dean Pease does. But it just looked like wherever... It looked like the Falcons were like a step slow in terms of defensively. And I was just waiting for Dean Pease to make an adjustment or waiting for Deion Jones to make a play on a ball or AJ Terrell or any of those guys to make a play on a ball, maybe get an interception or something like that. Or something like that. But it just seemed the Falcons weren't able to get things to, to get things the way they wanted, especially defensively. And uh, so it was just really frustrating. In terms of offense, I loved the two drives. At the beginning of the game, there was tempo. We saw poise. We saw rhythm. Matt Ryan looked good early. He was finding different targets, whether it be Hurst, whether it be Pitts, whether it be uh, whether it be Ridley. And then there was a good solid mix of running game with Core, Daryl Patterson, and Mike Davis in the backfield. So, so the Falcons did a really good job of running the ball early. The one positive, and this stat really stood out to me, was the Falcons rushed for over 100 yards in the first half. And I was really surprised by that, seeing that stat up. Like at halftime, I was like, whoa, we rushed for 100 yards. Like, that's unbelievable. I mean, for a lot of us who are long-suffering Falcon fans, I mean, I mean, for those of us to think back, I mean, when is the last time we really had over 100 yards rushing in the first half of a game? It, it's got to it's gotta be quite a while, for sure. I mean, maybe going back to like the Michael Turner days back in the Mike Smith era and is, is what my brain's telling me right off the top of my head. And, and now we're going to get to the offensive line part of things. Our offensive line did a poor job not only protecting Matt Ryan, but creating running lanes. And I'm not going to pile on Jalen Mayfield too much, but it just looked like the young, just looked like the young rookie was overmatched at times. I know he's facing Fletcher Cox, and I know it's baptism by fire in the NFL. So hopefully, hopefully the Falcons can can shore that up. I know you're not going to fix an offensive line in seven days, but but I realize everybody is frustrated. I mean we have I mean we have a lot to be sad and upset about with how things have gone. I mean going all the way back to the Super Bowl, but in, but guys, I think we just need to give Arthur Smith a little bit of time. 
time. We, I mean, the way I look at it, we need to give them at least till the bye week to see what we're working with. And I know none of the starters played during the preseason, and I've seen a lot of people on social media talk about, talk about, ooh, you know, should our starters have played in the preseason? And I wonder, and I wonder, wouldn't that have really helped? Maybe, maybe not. None of us really know. But I do expect us to come, I do expect the Falcons to come out ready to play and ready to go on Sunday against Brady. I know they're facing the world champs, but I just, but I just think we'll, hopefully we'll see an improvement from week one to week two. And hey, if you're a Falcon defensive player, don't you want to get a chance to get after Tom Brady? I know I would. Like Grady Jarrett, if you have an opportunity to bring Tom Brady down, I know you really want to do that after what he did against Brady in the Super Bowl back in 2016. So hopefully Grady Jarrett and the defensive front can get after Tom Brady on Sunday. I'm not going to make a pick or a score prediction for this week's game, but I just think the Falcons will We'll make we'll make steady improvements as the week goes on, and we'll put up a much better showing from week one to week two. I just got a feeling it's the NFL, it's sports, things happen, and like I said, I'm willing to give this team till the bye week to really see what we've got. And I'm still really high on Arthur Smith. I think schematically he's going to help us tremendously on offense. And the the one thing that I would tell Arthur Smith that I would really like to see more is get Kyle Pitts involved in the red zone. I mean, I mean, I don't need to read off his measure, measurables. Oh yeah. He's 6'6", six, six, like, like 240, 245. Like, he's a unicorn. Like, we need to find a way to run a back shoulder fade and just get him involved. To me, Kyle Pitts is essential in the red zone. Now, and that always seemed to be the issue with Julio Jones, how the Falcons weren't able to get Julio Jones involved in the red zone. So hopefully, Coach Art and crew are able to get things going in the red zone with Mr. Kyle Pitts. So I, so before I get out of here, guys, I want to tell you all about FanFrostSeasons.com. And it's our website where you can check out our merchandise store and you can listen to episodes. And there's a sweet bio of me and my co-host, RG3, um, kind of how the podcast came to be and stuff like that. And then... There's also a sweet picture of us showing with fellow Georgia alumni on Chip Carey. And Chip was really cool the day we got to meet him. He was super great. We just talked about UGA and stuff. So I, I, whenever I go to the website and I see that picture of RG3 and I show him with Chip Carey, it just brings a smile to my face. And uh, so yeah, so check out our website. Go to our merchandise stores. We have we have comfy color t-shirts in right now. But as things cool down and as we get to football season, more and more into football season, we've got sweatshirts, we've got hoodies in colors like red and black and in gray. So so get your hoodies, get your sweatshirts as the summer turns to fall and you can rock those to tailgates when you're watching games or, you know, just when you're going to do just everyday things, just rep the podcast. RG3 and I really appreciate it and we couldn't do this without you, the fans. So I think it's time to get a word from our sponsor and Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue, authentic original oak smoked barbecue catering. You can learn more at georgiasmoke.com. So for myself, Jim and Joe, this has been another exciting installment of the Fan for All Seasons podcast. I'm going to talk to you guys next week. See ya!